0: Reading makes immigrants of us all. It takes us away from home, but more important, it finds homes for us, everywhere. Welcome to AMI Audiobook Review. I'm Jacob Shamansky here with... Not Ramya, she's not here. I'm recording on Valentine's Day. And of all days, that's where I find myself, being alone. Isn't it sad? But I'm not alone, though. Thankfully... Amr Khan is here to help me spread the love. Amr, what's up? Hello, hello. Wouldn't want to abandon you on this day. Oh, you're too kind.
1: Uh, Amr, why did you pick this quote? I thought it was the most appropriate to the theme that we're going to talk about today, uh, which is titles and uh, how they relate
0: to books. Good point, man, because I think we all agree that first impressions matter, like it or not. And the title of an audiobook is more than likely going to be the first thing that you react to when you come across your next potential read. Sometimes the title is intriguing, sometimes it's confusing, and sometimes it's dumb as hell. Point is, titles matter, and we're here to break it down for you. We also have a pretty considerable list of silly, ridiculous, cringy titles. I also want to shout out some really good book titles. Plus, in the second half, we're going to talk about something that I can't believe we haven't talked about already. And that's, is listening to an audiobook the same as reading print? I think that's a conversation that you see online all the time. And I can't wait to get into it with you, Amir. So here's the thing with titles. It sounds like such a small part of the book. But if a book title is crappy and you don't read it, then that title made you a huge disservice. And I'm sure publishers understand the importance of titles, but that doesn't stop them from, from every year publishing books with god-awful titles. What, are, what do you think are some of the most important things to consider when coming up with a title for an upcoming book, Armor? I, I think it should grab your attention.
1: Um, in a lot of cases, titles uh, sometimes speak to more than, than just the title. I mean, uh, for Andre Agassi's book, uh, his book is titled Open, which is, again, a double entendre because he's a tennis player and, you know, you have the U.S. Open. um, And it really makes sense for an autobiography uh, for for him. In general, a lot of, you know, authors like to theme their books, especially if they have a series going on in terms of their titles. Mm -hmm. Um, So the Eagle Elite series, which I've talked about before, you know, all of their sort of main books are start with an E. So, you know, yeah, Elite is the first one, and you have other ones like, you know, Elevate and Illicit, and, you know, all, all these, you know, starting with an E, that, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, theme. it's kind of like an alliteration.
1: Exactly, and, then, you know, it, it sort of binds the, the series together, and again, it makes you sort of, when, you, when you're when you taking a look at it or if you're browsing, uh, you know, the web and looking for it, a new thing to read, and you take a look at it, oh, that's kind of interesting that all of them start with an E, and then you, you want to know more about it, and you start uh, digging into it. Um, there's a lot of other titles which sort of uh, are the same titles that have been repeated throughout uh, time um, so those can be uh, sort of in the other direction where you may not know anything about what it is but you're, you're sort of curious to, to see what it is um, there's some famous series as well sue grafton is probably the most uh, famous with her uh, uh, murder mystery books which she uh, attempted to write basically from the entire alphabet from a to z uh, unfortunately, she got up to Y and uh, wasn't able to complete the whole series. Oh, no, but so
0: close to the end. So close oh, to the so end. Oh, that's
1: so sad. <laughs> um, her... She was super oh. famous. I think her books were translated into like 26 different languages throughout the, throughout the years from 1981 That's or 1982, That's very
0: close to the amount of letters in the alphabet, so. too. Was that on purpose? Exactly. Oh, my God. Exactly. Spooky. But what do you mean from A to Z? Like the first letter of the books started? Yeah.
1: So the, the, first, the first title of the, uh, of the, the series oh. is Alibi. Uh, and I think the last one with the Y is uh, Yesterday or something like that uh, is the name of the book.
0: Okay, but let's be real, like, these Mm -hmm. naming conventions for series, like, there's no real reason to do it that way. Like, it's only because it's kind of cool, right? It's kind of cool, and I think it's it's kind of creative,
1: too. Creative as well. I mean, you know, uh, just like any any sort of really good sort of uh, Netflix series or, or TV series, sometimes it has one theme, and you're just like, how can they possibly make it interesting to the next episode? And they do. And you're, you know, continually sort of blown away by that. And I think Sue Grafton's uh, series is like that. The Eve Dallas series that I've been reading. I mean, I think there's sixty something books. Um, the Oof. official name of that series is called the In Death series. So, Celebrity in Death, you know, <laughs> Portrait in Death, whatever in Death. And you're like, how many books can they possibly? But yeah, it keeps going, and they're just as interesting as the last one.
0: In Death, jeez. So, so it's a series where every. Every book in this series have at least one word in the title in common, which I've seen that before, like, in the Dune Mm -hmm. series. It starts with just Dune, then Children of Dune, then Dune Messiah, um, Mm. God Emperor of Dune. Uh, I know Robin Hobb has books like that, too. Like, she has Assassin's Apprentice, Royal Apprentice, uh, and then Assassin's Quest. Like, it's a way Mm. to be able to to put something in common between, like, all these three books. And when you look at authors that have a massive output... Sometimes the recommended reading order can be really confusing. And I hate it, when, especially when the audience don't agree on what the reading order is. I, that drives yeah, me it, nuts.
1: It can be really jarring sometimes. I mean, I, I mentioned the Eagle Elite series. I mean, all of the main books start with an E. But then, you know, the author goes back and does an in-between book. And one of them is called Bang Bang. I'm like, couldn't find something with an E? Like, oh my God. <laughs>
0: I didn't Um, try very hard.
1: No, it's just you know sometimes it's like that. The Eagle Elite series is actually really interesting too because they have um, and a few authors have done this. The the first book, when you actually read it, it's 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 jarring because you you don't have a whole lot of context behind it. Um, The author sort of just drops you into this environment and you're and you're sort of trying to catch up and wondering why everybody's a jerk and what's going on, and it's not really explained, um, but it's still a great Mm -hmm. book. There's a one and a half version of the book, which is the next book, which is basically the same timeline as the first book, but from a different, from a different character's perspective. And everything makes sense when you read that book. So, yeah, reading order is is important, um, but it it can also be uh, sort of enlightening in a different way.
0: There is always going to be two points of views when it comes to choosing a title for a book, and that's creativity. Mm-hmm and utility because it is really helpful when a book is kind of descriptive even though it's it seems a little brutalist like kind of uncreative i think of the harry potter books that way because when you see the titles harry potter and the philosopher's stone harry potter and the chamber of secrets you can say oh that that second one, that's the Harry Potter book with the Chamber of Secrets. Oh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Oh, that's the one with the Deathly Hallows. Like you can find, you can remember exactly what happened in that book just by the title. I I think of it like um, the Lord of the Rings series is like that too. You know, the Two Towers. Oh, that's the one with the Two Towers that feature prominently in it. Oh, the Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, that's the one when the Fellowship of the Ring is actually together. The Return of the King. Yeah, mm, I wonder what happens in that one. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think that's.
1: A, a common theme for for some authors um michael connelly's another one like that um you know the michael the uh, harry bosch series um it's very descriptive in terms of what's going on in the book and or things that are related to his character or geographic mm. locations right because i mean again it's a murder mystery he's a you know an la cop and you know there's a book called uh angel flight and that has to do with the angel flight um uh uh, gondola that that's in la you know there's trunk music which is a term the cops use um for for the type of party they have to break up or whatever so there's all these sort of like yeah they have all these weird titles but like (laughs) when you read the book it's very like you said very easy to remember oh yeah trunk music i remember what that one is about or you know angel flight oh yeah that's the one with that gondola thing in la
0: there is a special category of book titles that i would categorize as uh ambiguous like what does that even mean but the book explains what it means i think of uh catch in the rye books like that can you think of um, any others like that
1: there's one i came across recently called speechless um and when you look at the sila homepage and do a search for speechless it's actually four different books and they're all very different um the one that I had come across, and I think I spoke to this about a year ago. Uh, it's basically the, the story of a Nigerian um, person who was accused of adultery and put on trial and a Canadian journalist that was um, there at that time. And And basically the book is sort of going through the themes of when should you and when should you not get involved and when or when you should not be telling somebody else's story. So, the title is very appropriate oh, in terms of being speechless
0: yeah,
1: um hmm. and the other books in the Sela collection are of course nowhere near any of those themes so um it's interesting to see how some some things can uh can sway
0: you in different ways so I've gathered a big old list with the help of our apprentice Dante of terrible titles, and also a couple shout outs for great titles, so I have quite a few and have hope I hope that you uh Nisreen and Amr, you uh, you gathered a couple yourself. Nisra, uh-huh. do you have any? Yeah, you do. Yes, I do. Oh, <laughs> you sound like you have uh, something you're uh, excited. I'm excited.
2: To
0: share. Let's hear it. <laughs> okay, but I categorized these in a couple different places. Uh, one category is clickbait sentences, unrepresentative, egregious from the get-go, and cringe. And then also uh, good titles, like I suggested. Like I mentioned earlier. Okay. Uh, in clickbait, you'll notice that a lot of these are nonfiction self-help from American authors. <laughs> Make of that what you will. But the first one is The Art of Not Giving F. Uh, this one was super popular. And anytime you went into a bookstore, you would see a display with this book, The Art of Not Giving a F. I just find it yeah. super clickbaity because it's like, it's literally just there because of the title. And it's like, it's. it feels so edgy. It's so proud of itself that it has a swear word in the title. And to be clear, it's F and then a couple signs and stars to cover the rest of the F word.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the similar one that I have on the list is um, Zoe Punches the Future in the Dick, which I've uh, <laughs> talked Ugh. about before. It's, it's weird because it's a totally cringe title
0: but the book is so off the wall it fits. Um okay, that's like the book itself kind of justifies the title. But I'm not going to lie, that elicited an eye roll from me. What about you, Nick?
1: Exactly. And and the first book and that's the second book in the series. The first book in the series is called John Dies at the End. So <laughs> it's also a uh, out there
0: sort of title You're like what on earth does that mean? <laughs> it's so meta. I don't know, these books that are very meta, self-referential like I, I don't know if it's just me, but I find that kind of stuff has been a bit played out. It's just so postmodern and like kind of acknowledges that everything's been done already. And it's kind of cynical. And that's why I don't really like things that are very self-referential and very like third person.
1: Uh, for titles like that, like we just talked about, uh, it makes me want to read the synopsis just because I, I want to make that determination on myself is this does this fit the book is it an off the wall book or is it just like a clever clickbaity title that's trying to get me into
0: the book but i have no interest in the book can you read the punch me in the dick title again what's the full title
1: uh zoe punches the future in the dick
0: oh i still don't like it (laughs) what do you know what the (laughs) book is about
1: (laughs) i read it the book is fantastic it's basically set in the future (laughs) uh and the basically the the premise of this particular book is that a sort of uh, very middle class type of person has inherited a whole lot of money and she's into tech and this is all set in the future so she is running an empire but doesn't really know what she's doing and there's all sorts of people who want her money and want her power and want her company and want everything so she has to sort of fight them all off with her with whatever skills she's got
0: like literally fight like punch and scratch?
1: Oh More on the business sense, but that too.
0: Oh, okay. The punch in the dick is more of a, a metaphor. <laughs> <An> <laughs> oh, yeah. Most definitely.
1: Um, Most definitely.
2: Jacob, I, I kind of disagree with you. I enjoy those off-the-wall titles. Oh. It, as Emma pointed out, it makes me want to read the synopsis and see if, if this is relatable to the actual book, the title is relatable to the actual book, oh. or it's straight up off-the-wall. So... I don't know there's some crazy titles I found that I'm like ooh this is interesting and then when you read the synopsis and you're like okay maybe this will interest me even more so just getting somebody to read the synopsis is a big step for yeah and
1: for that I think there's a the point to being provocative as, as well. I mean, Susan Jane Gilman is uh, is a writer that likes to have very provocative titles. I mean, I've mentioned one of my favorite books, which is Undress Me in the Temple of Heaven, <laughs> uh, which yeah. has nothing to do with that title. Um, it's an autobiography of her trip to uh, China with her friend. And You know, it's a fantastic book, but man, I mean, we were talking about recommendations a couple of weeks ago. It's so hard to recommend that book without having people cringe, blush and or judge,
0: right? Um, Because it sounds like an erotic novel.
1: It it does. And, you know, her her other novel, which I haven't, uh, which I've attempted a couple of times, but um, I haven't, uh, you know, uh, gotten to the frame to read is another autobiography of hers called Kiss My Tiara. So she (laughs) has those sort of edgy (laughs) sort of titles, which can appeal to a lot of people.
0: I don't know. When I hear titles like that, it's not just that I cringe. is that I feel like they're unserious. And if you're, you have a jokey book title, then I kind of expect your book to be jokey and unserious. And this kind of goes into one of the categories of bad titles I want to get into, and that's unrepresentative. But I'll get to that in a second because I have more clickbaity titles. Um, this is another one that absolutely kills me. How to win friends and influence people sounds like a psychopath's handbook uh because it's not about making friends but winning friends and it's not about how to get people to like you it's about how to influence them because that's what you want to do with people and then there's another one called the 48 rules of power which sounds like a super uh alpha male ceo handbook i i I don't know these books just like i would be so embarrassed if somebody caught me reading these books and like ah am i being judgy Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hey. Yeah.
1: But let me like, there's certain people that you'd expect to be reading like these books, like if Forty Eight Rules of Power, if it was, you know, Robert De Niro reading it, I'd be like, yeah, that fits, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, but like, I bet Elon Musk loves that book. I bet Jeff Bezos yeah. loves that book. I don't know anything about him, but I bet he loves that book. There it is. Or here's a spicy one: Always Ask a Man, The Key to Femininity, by Arlene Dahl.
2: Oh, stop this. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't know. This one is um is a satirical and very cutting uh, feminist book about uh, how women need to uh, assert their place in the world. Just kidding. It's a, It was written in 1965, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's basically a manual on how to be a good housewife.
2: Are you serious? You serious?
0: <laughs> Dead serious, yeah. <laughs> Always ask a man the key to femininity. Femininity is the name of that book if you're interested. Yeah.
1: I think we need to move on to another title. <laughs>
2: let's yeah. move on <laughs> you don't want to touch that we're done <laughs> uh, i don't even want to look at it
0: the um, the author of the book um arlene Dahl was an old uh like hollywood actress um mm-hmm. and she wrote this book like completely unironically but i'd say don't take her advice because a it's super dated and two she was divorced five times and so was her son so like what does she know about marriage <laughs>
1: Apparently, a lot more than the rest of us.
0: <laughs> oh, she knows about divorce. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if this is a category you have, Jacob, but there's also uh, literary and song reference titles.
0: Song reference.
1: Um, I, I was, uh, okay. I was curious about that. Um, yeah, I mean, Do you have uh, any one examples? of the books we've, uh, where the grass is green and the girls are pretty. <laughs> is that so... a memoir
0: for ACDC?
1: It is not. It is actually a book about um, the uh, recent United States uh, college admission scandal.
0: Was it sued by ACDC?
1: Is that even the band
0: that's nope. <laughs> No. It's not? Oh, okay. It's some rock band from the 60s <laughs> and 70s. It's something like that. I believe it was the Chili Peppers. Is the Chili Peppers? Oh, um, oh my god, I was way off. That's 90s. Uh, yeah uh, is that a good yeah. book though?
1: oh wait a minute was it, was it guns and roses now i'm confused i don't remember now we'll have to look that one up uh i think it's guns and roses actually now um uh, but yeah um there's another famous author that that writes uh eco it's a new genre that's that's sort of about climate and uh climate disasters so a sort of apocalyptic oh, uh, eco yes. uh Never novels and uh, a lot of her books are um, from quotes from Shakespeare. So you have Burnham Wood and you have some, some other um, uh, quotes from Shakespeare as titles for the book.
0: Another category that you'll see is books that have super long run-on sentences for titles. And this has become more popular in recent years because I feel like it fits a lot with like millennial and Gen Z internet humor where it's like very unserious let me give you some examples this one's pretty bad okay such a pretty fat one narcissist's quest to discover if her if her life makes her ass look big or why pie is not the answer that's that's the whole title wow no this is going back
1: to like the uh the 1800s i think when it was sort of the the norm to have like three sentence or three line titles running around. I mean, I think Darwin's Origin of Species was also like, almost like a paragraph in terms of the actual official title.
0: Right. It seems like there was very little distinction between like a scientific paper where they have extremely descriptive titles and novels. Like that's just yeah. how they publicize things.
1: And I think there was, it was sort of a, a matter of pride back then as well. I mean, the longer that you had a title, the, the better the book or something. So even um, a Holdman's uh, book, uh, Sense of the World, which was basically a memoir of a blind man who traveled the world in the 1800s. I mean, the official, his two books, the, their titles are a mile long. I mean, it's just ridiculous.
2: Yeah. I dropped the book if it's too long. Like, the title should not be that long.
0: Okay, well, you're not going to like this one. The Hidden Life of Trees, What They Feel, How They Communicate, Discoveries from a Secret World.
2: Is that the title or the synopsis? That's
0: the title. No, no, no. That's the title. The synopsis is uh, 400 pages. No, no, no. So I'm going to have to make a joke on
1: that one and ask if it's one of
0: the Lord of the Rings books. (laughs) (laughs) The Hidden Life of Trees. Yeah. The Hidden Life Events. No. (laughs) I I love this book. I mentioned it in a previous episode. This one's about, um, about a German forester who talks about all his knowledge about trees. And it feels like your kindly old grandpa is walking through a forest telling you about everything he knows about trees. You learn about different species and their specialties. It's very cozy pop science. Uh, great book, terrible title. Moving on. Uh, this one's pretty bad too. The Guernsey Literary and Pota- Potato Peel Pie Society. So, going back to our
1: recommendations uh, episode that, that we did, somebody actually recommended this this to me, and I it, it took me at least two weeks to take it seriously that I should actually take a look
0: at the synopsis just because of that title the synopsis should really go with the title there's something I really appreciate in um, like news articles is that they'll often have like the title of the article plus like another I don't know what they call it it's like a subtitle almost that's much more descriptive like it is a, a subtitle it's just called a subtitle yeah, yeah. It's, it's very handy but you see this sometimes like the book I just mentioned The Hidden Life of Trees like like, full stop. That should be the name of the title, and the rest is the, uh, the subtitle. But it's not represented that way. It's kind of like, that's the whole title. I think what really should be happening, uh, if I had my way, is all these book publishers, these places where you buy books online, they should make a clear distinction between the title and the subtitle and not just lump it all in the same title field. But that's just me. I have another one here. Why We Suck: A Feel-Good Guide to Staying Fat, Loud, Lazy, and Stupid.
2: I mean, that's I love that cool. one.
0: <laughs> that sounds like a book none of us should read.
2: <laughs> I love that one. <laughs>
0: uh, I haven't read that one. Uh, I haven't even read the summary, but uh, that's that's a pretty damn good title, even though it's a bit of a run-on sentence. I'm not gonna lie. Jesus Potter Harry Christ. The Fascinating Parallels Between Two of the World's Most Popular Literary Characters. Sounds like an essay that covers the uh, parallels between the story of Jesus Christ in the Bible and Harry Potter in the Harry Potter series. Sounds like a thesis to me. Yeah, it does sound like a thesis. Um, Jesus, Harry Potter, Christ. It's <laughs> kind of a funny title. Another category that bugs me, it's not that it's a bad title exactly, it's that it's misleading, and that drives me crazy. Let me give you an example. Talking to strangers. What we should know about the people we don't know. I recommended this one to Ramya in a previous episode, and you would think it's about how to talk to strangers. It absolutely is not. Like, that's not what the book is about, and it drives me crazy. Uh, another one is um, One of Us is Lying, which is a popular like YA murder mystery series what's stupid about that title is that nobody ends up lying no like none of them are lying i don't know why it says one of us is lying spoiler alert but i was expecting the whole fun of that book was that you did find out that one of the people in the book was lying but nobody was lying that was the whole thing it drove me crazy yeah yeah see i hate
2: those books that have nothing to do with the titles yeah,
0: yeah so
1: it's so loose that it's it's hard to figure out. I mean, one of the my favorite books is is uh, by Orson Scott Card, which I recommended to you, Jacob. Uh, Ender's Game, and although there is a game in the book, it, it just
0: I don't know. To me, it never felt like the right title for the for for the book. It's a fantastic book, but right because the game is not even close to being the main thing in the sorry, in the series, right?
1: it could be construed as such but is this one of those things where you're just like like Brandon Sanderson's The Emperor's Soul it's like a perfect title it's exactly you know encompasses what's going on in the book and it just fits so well and Ender's Game is sort of the opposite where like yeah it can fit but there's probably a better title around for it
0: they didn't shop the title a
1: lot or at least they should have a
0: lot more Um, Yeah,
1: or maybe it's something that's very close to the author's heart. Like, oh, yes, this is the right title. But everybody else is like, "Mm, not so much, dude.
0: No, I agree. Ender's Game is a great example of a crappy title. Uh, In fantasy, they have a tendency to have some pretty bad, undescriptive titles. Um, But what I don't like is that they kind of come off as extremely childish and, like, very simple. But the books are, like, these sprawling political thrillers with tons of characters and complicated motivations and complex themes. But you wouldn't think that from a book called ship of magic. That sounds more like uh, my little pony fan fiction. Like it's kind of embarrassing to say that. That's what I've been reading recently, <laughs> but like, it's honestly a very complex book and the title just, it, you wouldn't think so. It's the same thing as uh sort of destiny. <laughs> from the the witcher series i mean listen it's not awful it's just like can you have something a little bit more grand like the song of ice and fire by george r R. martin like that sounds badass it really does and you know i think that's
1: where you know sometimes authors and publishers and you know that whole sort of rigmarole of of okay what are we going to call this thing kind of comes together some authors are really particular about their their titles and, and want them to be pro provocative and and really know what they want their book and others don't i mean another one sort of along the same themes as what you just said there jacob is uh, embers in the ashes and you're like hmm that sounds pretty you know interesting to some degree but Mm. the book is so much more layered than that and then you know after you finish the series like wait what does that have to do with the
0: title (laughs) like i don't know yeah where did you pull the title from (laughs) here's another category where the book is just the book title is just egregious from the get-go. Example, I wish my kids had cancer, a family surviving the autism epidemic. Okay.
2: Wow. Okay,
0: come on. Wait, before moving on, here's another one. Louder than words, a mother's journey in healing autism. Guys, come on. The premise in the title is already wrong. And these are not books being, like, writing it ironically. It's not. too dead serious.
1: Yeah, but, I think... The one that comes in that category that, that we've read recently is at the book club is um, I'm Glad My Mom Died. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a very well-regarded
0: book, isn't it, though?
2: Yeah, that was, it's a, gra- that was a really it's good It's a great book.
0: book, but it's it's one of those titles where you're like, hmm. <laughs> but is she literally glad her mom died? Or is that yeah. a bit of an exact? Yeah, yeah, she is. Oh, my yeah. God. I'm okay with that. Here's another one in that same category. Birth control is sinful, and the Christian marriage is also robbing god of priestly children what in the hell yo wow moving on i mean this actually lines up kind of well with the next category i want to touch and that's uh books that are cringe they're really cringe titles like aria sometimes hides her feelings in russian Ugh. yo i roll because you're trying way too hard my youth romantic comedy is wrong as i expected Ugh. i can't these are so hard to read
2: I I get you. Oh my God. I I found so many crazy, bizarre book titles. I'll give you three. Yeah, please. Jacob. Yeah. Um, The first one's not so bad once I read the synopsis. So the first one was The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat and Other Clinical Tales by Oliver Sacks. Oh, yeah.
0: I saw that one too. That was on my list.
2: (laughs) So come on. Yeah. I'm not reading that. What? Um, But. It's divided into four parts, each of which consists of a series of brief case studies centered around some aspect of neurology. He describes the case uh, histories of some of his patients. An example of one of his case studies is one of his patients has visual agnosia, um, a neurological condition that leaves him unstable to recognize faces and objects. So once I read the synopsis, I'm like, okay, it's not so bad of a title. Um, it's not so random uh, The next one I found was Don't pee on my leg And tell me it's raining <laughs> By Judy Sheinlin I've heard Josh that expression Ketlin.
0: before though <laughs> Don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining
2: <laughs> This is this a Famous American uh, Family court judge Judge Judy Wow Everybody knows her Yeah. Um, and the last one is crazy it's bizarre the last one is called the sex lives of cannibals by j martin troost so these are two things you probably never wanted to think about together eating people and sex
0: speak for yourself uh moving on (laughs) (laughs) so that
1: second book about judge judy it almost sounded like it might be about dogs and I was just like, is that a book
2: about dogs? What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining.
0: Sounds like a good opening opening line to an email. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should counter all of these bad ones with good titles. <laughs> it's kind of like when you have a, a day where you just eat like garbage next day I need some vegetables, you know. All right. I, I have a game for you guys. I'm mm. going to tell you three book titles from the romance genre. One of these right. is real. Tell me which one is real open wide for the handsome saber-toothed dentist who is also a ghost option two love is mysterious hot and mischievous option three summer camp tramp a tale of romance
2: <laughs> i'm gonna say option two is real
0: omar i'm gonna agree with Nasreen on that one you guys think option two love is yeah. mysterious hot and mischievous yeah, yes. I made that one up. The real one is the first one. <laughs> Open wide for the handsome saber-tooth dentist who is also a ghost. is a real book that was published by a real company. You guys are wrong. <laughs> With real words. <laughs> With real words. Wow, that is that is a title. I'll give it that. Yeah, that sure sure is a title. Okay, here's another game along those lines, but this is in the memoir category. One one of these is real. If I did it by O.J. Simpson. Work Like a Dog by Snoop Dogg. Keep Calm and Carry On by Mar- I can't even say it. Keep Calm and Carry On by Mariah Carey. Which is real. They are all possible, but the Yeah. Third
2: one. Yeah. Uh, I I keep calm and carry on. Are you serious?
0: <laughs> Why not?
2: That's so cringy. <laughs> I can't.
0: Which is real? Pick one. <laughs>
2: Maybe the Snoop
0: Dogg one. Oh, I'm gonna go with the third one. Third one. Okay, the real one is O.J. Simpson actually released a book called "If I Did It." Except on the cover, the "If" was super small compared to the rest, so you just see a book called "I Did It" by O.J. Simpson. <laughs> and he's very, he's very unapologetic in it too. Like he doesn't actually explain anything. Um, I have a couple good titles I would like to shout out uh, by Joe Abercrombie especially because that guy has some great titles.
2: Uh, Yeah, we we need some good titles. Yeah,
0: you need a palate cleanser here. This is my favorite one. The Wisdom of Crowds. Brilliant. I like it. And there's another one called The Blade Itself. I don't know how he comes up with these, but like... And honestly, I can't even explain why I like them. They just sound profound, ominous... They just work for simple. me. Simple. Simple, yeah. Yeah, very simple.
2: Okay, but the blade itself, I feel like it just does nothing for me, though. What's it about?
0: I mean, there are blades in the book, um, <laughs> but I think it's more... <laughs> uh, but the blade itself. It's about, It's not about the people <laughs> holding the blade. It's about the blade <laughs> itself.
2: The blade. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a bit wide and open-ended. <laughs> I still think it sounds really cool. Um, a, a memoir I thought had a really good title was My Body by Emily Ratajkowski. Mm-hmm. Because if you know who Emily Ratajkowski is, is she's a supermodel. And when she mm-hmm. writes a book called My Body, you're like, what does she have to say yeah. about her body? Really? That said, you kind of need some some pre-existing knowledge to to really fully understand like the power of that title. Another one that I really like is Pimp, The Story of My Life by Iceberg Slim is kind of funny because one who's called iceberg slim spoiler alert that's his pimp name uh (laughs) it's a real book and you wouldn't think that a pimp would use his pimp name for his like pen name but like this book was really hard to read i read this a while back and it's literally about like how this guy decided to become a pimp in like like 40s and 50s chicago it's uh extremely brutal very graphic and What's most shocking about this one is that it seems like he's trying to be repentant and become a better man, but he's such a garbage human being that you don't want to let him. Like you the author is a piece of garbage. But he's truly You have mixed feelings. Good. Uh no, I don't have mixed feelings. I hate this guy. Like he's just a garbage <laughs> yeah. human being. Good book though. Like honestly interesting. It kind of makes you understand where people who are this deprived come from. Like understanding the lot and mm. the Understanding where horrible people are coming from is hard to come to grips with, but empathy should go towards people who don't deserve it sometimes.
1: Yeah, I mean, good book titles in that that theme on my end, uh, Jacob, uh, I Shall Not Hate by Dr. Abu Leish. I Shall Not Hate. (laughs) Um, It is a absolutely fantastic book. Uh, If you want to get emotionally involved in a book, uh, and I've recommended this one before. Uh, yeah, this one you'll need like the whole carton of of Kleenex boxes for because, mm. um, you know, the book is about a Palestinian doctor um, during the uh, Arab Israeli conflict from uh, not right now, but from uh, a few years ago, where he lost three of his daughters. And every chapter you read of this book, it, you just think back to the title like, how does this man not hate everything and everyone? And you know, like the book just keeps going on like that and the even more interesting part of this book is that he actually lives and lectures in Toronto now. Um, So uh, very, very difficult book to read, but extremely well uh, chosen title. Um, Extremely uh, good book to read if you're interested in the, uh, in the, in the conflict. And that's called. I shall not hate. Um, And then the other one, which I think uh, everyone agrees that is a fantastic, fantastic title for his autobiography is trevor noah's born a crime yeah. shout out born um, a
0: crime fantastic book fantastic yeah, title
1: yeah. humorous serious you know the sort of the whole package easy to read um but also gives you a very uh sort of a more detailed look at apartheid and uh, that particular time in south africa's history
0: i have another couple great but silly sounding titles uh he died with a falafel in his hand
2: stop <laughs> this is a real title as a palestinian
0: <laughs> does that interest you Nis?
2: yes i love falafel
0: <laughs> i think in my head the, my,
1: my the immediate question in my head goes how come it's not a shorma why is it a falafel
0: well, but it says his hand. I think a shawarma yeah. would need two hands to eat properly, so uh yeah. I, I don't know, but <laughs> it's debatable, but yeah. Uh here's another one. Corpses say the darnest things, which is Oh my
2: <sighs> That sounds is sarcastic.
0: funny. It's <laughs> funny because corpses famously don't talk. But if I'm breaking down no the humor kidding. here, I'm kinda killing the joke. It's like the old expression, like Breaking down comedy is like dissecting a frog. You learn very little, and it dies. So I'm sorry for ruining that title for you. And here's another good one. This is my favorite of every single one we've come up yet. We've come up with you yet. It's getting Scott in here. <laughs> oh, it's is that just me? Am I the Scott only one that I'm finding that funny? <laughs> what
1: is this, Scotty Pippins? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh,
0: am <laughs> it? <laughs> curious now. <laughs> Uh, I have no clue, and I don't have access to a computer right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. We do actually have some contributions from the book club, because we asked them what book titles they came across that they thought was pretty silly. Um, Sarah Halis, uh told us about one from Stephen King, Bag of Bones. I mean, I've heard it worse, but, like, it just sounds kind of silly. Bag. Of it Bones? sounds
2: silly, but I would
0: I would pick it up. She says, I spent years avoiding reading this book literally because of the title.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Michael Connelly has one called City of Bones, um, which is also a similar sounding title. Um, Orson Scott Card has a book called Speaker for the Dead, which goes back to your corpse talking thing, but uh, on a more serious note.
0: (laughs) There is a bit of a theme in titles that you come across all the time, and that's Noun of adjective. and Just enter, like, anything. Blank of blank. Noun of adjective. There's so many books like that. Daniel McLaughlin um, mentioned a book called Defending Pornography, which is a pretty eye-catching title to start with, but she also adds that the book, when you buy it in print, is in bright yellow, like, super bright yellow, like, as bright as it can be. So if you're reading that in the airport, you bet that everybody knows exactly what you're reading. And um, I don't exactly know if you want to be seen reading a book like that. I mean,
2: imagine being on the subway and yeah. <laughs> just reading that book.
0: Yeah, what an intellectual wow. over here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And in, that's in, in, in our country. Imagine reading in some other countries. Uh, yeah, that'd be.
0: Yeah, good luck reading that in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. yeah. all right Amr stick around um you're gonna be here after the break Uh, you tunas of course you're always here um but we're gonna be talking about something that I can't believe we haven't talked about yet and that's is listening to an audiobook the same as reading print there's a lot to unpack here you're listening to AMI-audio I'm Jacob Shiamansky we'll be right back Welcome back to AMI-audio. You're listening to AMI-audio Book Review. I'm Jacob Shiamansky here with not Rami Amuthan, but I'm here with Amir Khan and technical producer Nisreen Adamajid. Hey guys, I want to talk about whether listening to an audiobook is the same as reading it. And there's a lot of angles you can take to this. I think some people get caught up in like the, the specific definition of what reading is. And then other people, I think, are getting stuck in whether you actually absorb the book, if it's like fake reading. Where do you guys stand on this? Amr? So
1: there is, there is a difference. Um, and I think there's a difference between having the choice and not having the choice as well. Um, there's different physical and visual aspects to, to both as, as well. I mean, when I had better sight, especially in high school, you know, you carry around a book. And we were talking about marketing and titles earlier, and, you know, the look and feel of the book has, has a lot to do with that as well. Right. I used to really read John Grisham and, and Tom Clancy, and, you know, for those that have seen that book visually, I mean, it's very, you know, distinctive in terms of the way those covers are made and the way the author's title mm-hmm. is sort of emblazoned on them. Um, so even before you crack open the book and, and have that sort of reading experience, you know, just pulling it off the shelf or seeing somebody else read oh, it,
0: yeah,
1: um, is, is something to consider as well. Whereas you know if I'm on the train and reading an audiobook, you don't know what I'm reading, I could be reading you know that, that bright yellow book that we were talking about earlier, or I could be reading <laughs> Anne of Green Gables, or I could be reading anything. You don't know who, what or where I'm,
0: I'm reading about, right? Yeah, that's Um, a good point. There's always going to be an old school nostalgia factor around print books. Like people always say, like, "Oh, I love cracking it open and the smell of a new book," you know, or like the smell of an old book. There's nothing explicitly about that that makes it a better experience. I mean, I don't know. It's it's very satisfying. Satisfying? You
2: agree with that, Niz? I I feel like it's very satisfying just picking up the book, feeling the thickness, the pages, and the smell of the book. I agree with that. However. Emma brought a good point in terms of whether you have a choice in reading print or listening to an audiobook, right? So for me, I didn't think I would like audiobooks. I feel like it would be just a voice that, I don't know, it, it just bothered me in the beginning of having that idea of somebody reading it to me. But once I did, once I started, I just... I wouldn't be able to go back to print even if I could.
0: It takes some getting used to. And yeah, when you read uh, a print book, it takes some time to become a good reader and just how to organize your brain to be able to, to manage many characters and remember what happened and to be able to predict what's about to happen. Just to fully comprehend what's going on. It takes time and skill It's something to work on, being able to, like, properly comprehend reading. Like, that's we literally get evaluated in this in English classes, right? Like, reading comprehension comprehension. takes a while. And I think when you listen to a book, it's a different type of comprehension because you need to actively listen, which is something that not everybody has. And I can say for myself that I've gotten much better at listening to audiobooks because I remember reading series that I couldn't tell you what the hell happened. This was like maybe like four or five, six years ago. I remember reading books and then like two months later, I'd be like, I don't really remember what happened. It was a bit of a blur. But the books I read nowadays, I comprehend very well, much better. And that's because I've gotten better at it. All that to say that there is a, an obvious difference in the way that we process reading print and reading books. But what bothers me is when people gatekeep reading By saying that audiobooks are it's not real reading or you're not actually reading the book
2: yeah they say it's fake reading it's fake reading because
0: I think when they when they picture people listening to audiobooks they just like play it in the background at 2x speed and don't actually listen and then later on they'll be like oh yeah I listened to this book but did you really and in that case I agree with you you didn't actually listen to the book but that's not how most people who listen to audiobooks listen to audiobooks why would you waste your time Listening slash not listening to, it. but sure you're hearing it, but you're not listening to it.
2: People absorb yeah, I mean, it differently, though.
1: People absorb it differently. I mean, we can bring Braille into the conversation as well. I mean, a lot of people who who visually uh, enjoy reading, um, a lot of people who who read Braille sort of bring that into the conversation as well. In terms of you know, seeing or feeling the actual letters uh, mm. brings another piece or another dimension into into the reading uh, experience. And that is something to consider. I mean, f- for people like Nasreen and myself who sort of transitioned, uh, it's it's it also takes that sort of getting used to, uh, not just from a hearing perspective, but from a sort of mental psyche perspective as well in terms of, you know, when you're reading print, it's your voice in your head when you're reading. I mean, that's just, you know, the way it is. Uh, to let somebody else's voice in your head, whether it's human narrated or synthetic, you know, it it sometimes takes us a conscious decision to do that. I mean, you know, some people get take to it very quickly. And, you know, that's just the way it is. Um, But I I think for I'm speaking for you, Nasreen, but for for, uh, myself in particular, that that was something where, you know, I had to think about where, okay. There are audiobooks and I can't read print that easily anymore. I'm at large print and now even large print is difficult for me. Mm. But
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, do I want to pick up an audiobook and lose that, you know, my own voice in my head and sort of give that up to somebody else?
0: And at this point, Amr, you're pretty much fully exclusively audiobooks. Do you miss having your being able to create those voices in your head? To some degree, but
1: it's amazing what the human brain can do. Sometimes, I mean, um, yeah. Ray Porter is an absolutely phenomenal human narrator for uh, for action books, and uh, I really enjoy the Orphan X series. But I started that series in synthetic, and you know, I really got used to that. And somebody told me, "Oh, you know what? Ray Porter has uh, has this series," and I picked it up. And for for you know, kudos goes to. Uh, Ray Porter for, for how good he is, but I just couldn't get into it after, you know, reading three books with my own voice in my head with synthetic. So uh, I had to go back to synthetic and that's, that's very rare for me to pick up something synthetic over something that's really well done human. narrative. Why
0: would you choose synthetic over Ray Porter? That's baffling.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody was more baffled than I was. I'm like, I guess, uh, I just, (laughs) yeah, I just created voices in my own head. So, um, that can surprise you sometimes too,
0: Amr. Um, I was in the same boat as you, and, and you too, Niz. I think where I used to be able to to read print, I think you can still read print, Niz, right?
2: Ah, uh, barely, but I, I I really can't.
0: It's mm. uh, it's, it's uncomfortable. Right? Yeah, it's
2: exhausting. It, it, you get migraines, and it's unless it's large, large print, as Amr uh, pointed out, it's it's not going to be possible.
0: Anyways, um, regarding like character voices that you can have in your head. I remember when I would read; those voices weren't very vivid. When I listen to audiobooks now, the characters are much more alive than they ever were when I was creating the voices myself. So mm. I can't really relate to that that experience of creating the character voices in your head and implanting accents and intonation in specific character like characteristics of the voices.
1: Yeah, I think it's very individual. Uh, thing right I mean just like a good human narrator versus you know somebody who's maybe not so good at it you know Um, but uh, you know some of us have a greater capacity for for creative uh, in our heads and and some and some books are lend itself to that too right I mean like I said this is a this is an exception this is not the rule for me um, for, for, you know, 99.9% of the books out there, I, I would definitely choose the human narrated over right. synthetic and my own head. But, uh, for some reason, the, the orphan X series is just, especially the way that it, that it's laid out and stuff. There's not that many characters. A lot of it is a first person narrative of the character himself. So, you know, uh, me personally, I, w- I was able to sort of create that world in, in my head and, and, and I liked it. Um, but, yeah, going back to physical books, I mean, you know, I think there is, you know, that, that old school concept of having books on your shelf as well and being able to just, you know, randomly pick one and at some page and, you know,
0: and I uh, do it. miss that. There were a lot of uses for old books. They would make good doorstops. You can prop those up on <laughs> oh, them. <no>. Doorstops. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch.
2: Oh, my. Yeah, um, I have books laid out just for um you know, decor at this point, uh, they're, they, they're still satisfying to me, but, um, I agree with you, Emma. I feel like, you know, transitioning to audiobooks is, was really hard because I'm like, okay, am I going to lose that creative side where I can hear the voices? I'm imagining the voices in my head, but Jacob, I feel what you feel in terms of it became more alive to me. Right. The the voices were more alive.
0: It takes time though. It takes time and Mm -hmm. it's even with a mediocre narrator, which if we rate things on a bell curve, like most narrators that you come across are gonna be mid mediocre, just okay, especially if you're reading niche books. Mm -hmm. That's okay. If if the narrator is just okay, you can still have extremely vivid images in your head and it still plays out like a movie.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the other dimension to take a look at this, I mean, we've been talking a lot about, you know, individual reading for ourselves, but um, what comes to mind for me is is also children's books, right? I mean, traditionally you would read a book to a child, um, a picture book or, or whatever it is. And I haven't really had that experience of trying to do that with something like an audio book. Um, I know back in the day, the CNIB used to actually have a teddy bear with like a cassette tape in its stomach and, you know, you'd huh. put the cassette tape in and it would, you know, uh, tell you a story or whatever. But mm. um, short of that, um, I haven't really come across uh, much in the way of that.
0: Well, you know, I have seen that online, like audiobook hitters will say like, oh, you just like having stories read to you like a baby. You go, okay, sure. But, like maybe there's a reason why, why children like that, because it's a very engaging way to be read like to consume a book i want to add something nowadays we all have a minuscule attention span right niz
2: absolutely
0: Over? it's bad eh we all have well, agreed yeah we don't it, even have the patience absolutely.
1: for those long titles we were talking about earlier
0: yo i was getting bored like halfway through <laughs> but, <laughs> but but listen like when you sit down and listen to a book and i mean like really sit down and do like nothing else and just listen that's a great exercise in discipline that's going to improve your attention span. Like, I think my attention span is better now than it was three years ago when I only read a little bit. And now I listen to audiobooks all the time. I can easily sit down and calmly listen to a book without interruption for a solid two hours and fully comprehend everything everything that's going on and i can't say that was the case a while ago because i would get mm-hmm. bored after 30 minutes
1: the cases that that people make for the actual visual reading aspect as well is that basically when you're doing that you can't really do anything else right you've got your eyes yeah. on the page you know you can't be cooking cleaning you know yeah like, whereas with an audio well, that's you can where
0: that's where the discipline comes in like you have to force yourself to actually listen which is that's what attention span is is to sit there and force yourself to pay attention. And that's where I think audiobooks can be really helpful for that.
2: When I used to uh, read print, I would have such a short attention span that I would need to read the page a couple of times or read a sentence a couple of times to get back on track. Like if somebody walks by, if somebody says something, I lose my spot. I forget where I was at. Or I get distracted so easily. So
0: Right. uh, You can get distracted while reading an audiobook. I'm sure it happens all the time. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But anybody who's read print knows that you can be reading print and have your mind wander at the same time. Just because your eyes are following the lines on the page, it doesn't mean you're actually comprehending what's going on. Guys, this was a really great talk. Amr, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. To everyone out there, we want to hear your contributions. Anything you want to share with us, book recommendations, book reviews, anything you can think of, you can call us at one 509 4545 or send us an email at feedback at ami.ca. You can also send us a voice message to that same email address, feedback at ami.ca. I'm Jacob Shaimansky. Technical producer is al Majid. Our guest was Amr Khan. Thank you so much for listening. Happy audiobook listening.